Yo, 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 what is going on, you guys? It's the best video gaming podcast in possibly the universe. We don't know if there's another one out there outside of this planet, but on this planet, we're on top. And today, we're going to talk about a lot of different games. We got a lot of stuff for you guys today. So, Blake, you want to introduce yourself, maybe talk about some games you're going to talk about today? Yo, what's going on, everyone? This is Blake from the Sticky Buttons Podcast. We're a pretty chill video game podcast, and we talk about the games we love here. So thanks for tuning in. As Brandon said, I took a peek in the multiverse. It's the best video game podcast out there. <laughs> and, you know, today we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. We've got some Pokemon on the agenda, a 3DS game because it's season three. I'm going to be talking about Stray, but I think Brandon's going to kick it off today. So, Brandon, you kick it off, you know, what are we yeah. talking about first? So, I'm going to kick it off. Yeah, I'm going to kick it off some BDSP, something we were talking about in the last episode. Tune into our last episode if you haven't heard it already. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Yeah, man, this is the title we've been super excited for. You know, we even have some episodes where we're just like super stoked leading up to it. And rightfully so, you know, it's a remake of one of our favorite Pokemon games, one of our favorite generations, the Sinnoh generation. Yeah, we both played it a lot growing up. And gosh, I mean, it's awesome to see it, you know, being remade. Let me ask you, Brandon. I mean, we're almost getting close because it came out in November. It's September right now. We're almost a year later. How are you feeling towards it? What's your like general feelings? Yeah, you know, this is a question that I've had a lot of time to ponder on, especially since, you know, Scarlet and uh, I believe Violet are coming out. And they're coming out, yeah, in like a couple months, yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of just getting ready to say my farewells to this title and just tune into that region fully. Are you saying sincerely Sinnoh? Are you saying peace after when the new one comes out? Or <laughs> No, I'm not going to like you know, just totally stop playing because there's a crazy, there's a lot to do after you beat Cynthia, which I still haven't done in Pearl. Something mm-hmm. I have to say, I have both Pearl and Diamond. I've yet to beat her. So you restarted after playing a while. I did, but not in the way you would expect, you know, you would expect me to just go and press a new game on Pearl, but I just mm-hmm. went and bought <laughs> Diamond. <laughs> uh. It was on sale though. So we saved a couple bucks, <laughs> saved a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was having a great time. My second playthrough and just experiencing the region for the second time and having all those memories come back. And not only like with playing this game comes like the memories of like my life at the time when I was playing it, interestingly enough. And yeah, it's just it's a very very nostalgic game i love how it's just like very cute in the sense that everything is kind of like i don't know rounded out and it's kind of like a chibi art style yeah and it's very fun to look at very fun to just spend time in and i've been spending a lot of time in the grand underground in fact i'm actually digging in the grand as we're recording oh the grand (laughs) underground yeah honestly i really enjoy that whole aspect of it like, I really think they did a great job with the Grand Underground. They did a great job with it. You know, I remember originally playing Pokemon Pearl and not really liking it too much. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. It's like a very, in the original, it's very practical to like, to spend some time down there because you can get all kinds of items, items for evolution of like different Pokemon. But also for me, I always went down there to find the heart scales because that's the only way that you can relearn a move that a pokemon has forgotten 
I used to have this like item as a heart scale. I one wish they one. there's only one. Yeah, I know. And also in the board, it's a one by one. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's super easy to just mine around it and totally miss it. They're very much a pain to find. And in the original, like that's pretty much the only thing I was doing down there. It's just like searching and scowling for these. But I mean, it's a remake. They said they wanted to keep it very faithful. I'm glad that like they kept it faithful, but that's one of the things that I personally wish they had changed up a little bit. But I get that it's like a an homage, you know, so to speak. And really quick on just like what you said about nostalgia. Recently, I learned something about the word nostalgia and the beginning of the word, like its Greek origin is a homesickness. Mm. And the end of it is like return home. It's like you can never return home. You know, it's kind of like how the word began had its origins. And I just think that that's really interesting because, I mean, with Pokemon games, like it really feels like when you play them as a child, especially your first couple, like you really feel like that's like a home away from home, so to speak, you know, and like going in and experiencing this region again. I just feel like it adds like a whole nother layer to that. I don't know. I personally, I love seeing the differences and I, even though it's got some quirks, I love getting in there and just being in that area as well. What are some of your favorite areas to be in in the center region? You know, I'm actually, I've been finding new ones and a lot of it's in the grand underground. I really love those caves that you can go into because that's something they didn't have in the original. Yeah. But in the grand underground now, there's these huge caverns and they're kind of like open world, like isometric view, open world kind of like the right word but like there's pokemon in the environment you can run around them or get in fights with them i think that's awesome it's just like discovering that new aspect of it and also i really like when you start a battle it has you can see the whole environment i think that that really adds to it yeah and in the style shop gotta say love the ability to change your clothes change your outfit which is something we've seen in the past in like different Mm -hmm. pokemon titles and it's really cool how like they pick and choose like what features to put in what game. Like yeah. that's gotta be mm-hmm. someone's job to just like literally architect like what's gonna be in this game and what's not gonna be in this game. Cause they, they do have some of the more modern features that I really like. For example, when you get into the Pokemon like summary, you can change the order of their moves and how they appear. Yeah. on screen and i feel like that's a very new feature that was not in the original but that is i mean i really like that i personally like to put them in the order that i would use them or like my most used move or like my favorite moves at the top and then i think that that's really cool and i also think i don't really know how you feel about this brandon i think that the touchpad which because i mean originally this was a ds game now it's on switch and in order to get that second screen on the switch you have to hold a button and then it pops it up. And I personally think that's implemented very well. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it was executed well, I feel like. You still have a touchscreen, too. So you mm-hmm. can like go to your trainer info, view your badges, and like shine them up still how you used to with mm-hmm. your stylus. Yeah, that's like, really cool. That's one of the coolest aspects of the game. That's how I used to always start my like play sessions. It was just shine all my badges with my stylus on the DS. Mm-hmm. Although now I'm a little hesitant to do that because it's like, my switch screen i don't really want to you know <laughs> scratch it up like that i actually haven't polished my badges up in a little bit maybe i should do that next time i get on but i've been having a good time with it i still play it i'm still playing it 
Brandon and I actually Brandon pulled me back onto it because he needed to trade some mons. So I traded some mons with Brandon. I did some breeding and so after you beat the game, you can go and talk to an NPC and they'll give you a, an Eevee, but you can shiny hunt this Eevee. So like, it's like a totally random if you get a shiny, like it's normal shiny odds. It's like one in 8,000. And I wow. just like, I'll go in and talk to her. I'll just do that for like an hour, like five minutes, 20 minutes, whenever I have time. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now in it. But like, what about you? What are you doing in it currently? One in 8,000. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think about my shiny machamp mm-hmm. yeah, it was crazy for me to find him yeah you just got him in the grand underground yeah i named awesome. him ray mysterio i got him in the grand underground <laughs> that's, that was a great name by the way super fun to just play with and i walk together with him and you can still see the shiny like i thought that's such a great feature that they incorporated the walk together at such great detail oh, too. i love that yeah that's really fun that's one of my favorite features in a pokemon game like honestly if you don't have that what are you doing i think that's <laughs> i will say that's probably one of my top features i would say top three are being able to change your moves whenever you want having the pokemon follow you and outfits I know you asked me what I'm up to, but I also want to say I on the topic of features, I really like mm-hmm. the friendship feature, how mm. like you know how you're in a battle and they yeah. should definitely knock you out, but like your Pokemon toughs it out so you won't feel sad. Mm-hmm. Like I love that because I can't tell you the amount of times it saved my butt when I'm trying to catch a Pokemon. Recently I caught Dialga with a Pokeball because of it. Because I just like, I was on my last string. I was trying to heal up and heal up, revive, you know, just trying to stay up and catch this guy thing. And finally, my septile just refused to go down and it tucked it out three times in a row until finally I caught it. That's and awesome. It was crazy. Is that the septile? Did that come from the Trico that I traded you? Yeah, that septile came from that Trico. That's awesome. I brought him into adamant nature, and now that leaf blade is it's dangerous. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. That's also, like, it's such a cool feature. Just, like, I never, I mean, I didn't really trade all that much when I was a kid, but having that, it's just, like, a cool aspect of the game. Just, like, playing it with you and trading the mons, like, that's certainly very cool. Yeah, like, we can play the Grand Underground together. Yeah. Maybe that's something we could stream just... You know, going down there, finding some mines, mining. You could like mine together too, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. But I guess really quick on the feature with your friendship, that's really, they've never done that in any Pokemon game before, to my knowledge. And I was trying to remember, did they do that in the original? I don't know. It certainly wasn't they there in the original. Right? I think this is a wholly new feature. I think there might have been something. Like they were trying to introduce it slightly. I think it might have been with the Poketch, where like if you, I remember there was something they were trying to introduce with like the friendship thing, because there were Pokemon in order to complete your Pokédex, you had to improve your friendship with them. Mm -hmm. And that's why there are even some berries, which I think only exist in this Pokemon game. Yeah, like the Poffins. The Poffins are definitely a system to like increase friendship, but there are berries too. That you can give your Pokemon that actually increase their friendship at the cost of lowering a base point of their stat. Yeah. Really interesting. yeah, that is interesting. The berries in this game, like they really try to shove them down your throat for lack of a better phrase. 
there are plots everywhere. I actually, man, I've got a couple of favorite spots where I'll just like, I had a plane ride one time early on in the year. And all I did was I flew around to all of my spots that I had planted berries. And it literally took me like the whole hour. Like it was a short plane ride. And that's all I did was just like berry management during this plane ride. And that's awesome. I don't know. I mean, that's like, it's a system that we're like, you can engage with that however much you want to. It can be fun or you can just not engage with it at all. Yeah, I, I just didn't engage with it my first time playing like Pokemon Pearl, and I'm not engaging with it now. I tried to in the beginning. I definitely did when I was first starting the second playthrough in Diamond, but I kind of just lost steam. There are a couple berries that I like to have. Actually, there's one that I used when I was fighting Cynthia, which I think is pretty awesome. It's the one where it gives you like 10 PP on a move. Oh, that's a great berry. I think it's the Leapa berry. The Leap, yeah. Leap. Or maybe is it the Iapa? It's like the yellow-ish one. It's like, it looks kind of like a pear. I don't know. Here, I'm pulling it up right now. No, I can't find it, actually. Well, I guess maybe we'll bring it up later <laughs> on another podcast episode. Yeah, it's one of those berries. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many. There are so many There's berries. actually, there's a lot of gym leaders and their, their Pokemon will have berries. And they'll they'll use if you're about to use a super effective move, they'll use the berry and it makes the super effective yeah. move less effective. And this game can, is very like slimy. They're going to try to defeat you with the items, with the effects. If that Pokemon is known to have like a nasty effect, they're gonna have that effect on that Pokemon. They're gonna be like the best nature. They're gonna heal the Pokemon with a max potion if it's like their strongest Pokemon. Just like you might, the Pokemon battles are really intense, which brings me to what I'm doing right now. I am at the Sunny Shore Gym. I'm gearing up to give the eighth gym leader a riveting battle that'll excite him <laughs> and, and make him <laughs> and make him um, want to keep doing his job. Oh my gosh, I love that! Like. <laughs> So basically, when you're playing this game, you just meet this gym leader, and he's pretty much given up because he's like yeah. the best gym leader, and he's like nobody's been able to defeat me. He's the last gym leader. He's just beating everyone. You know, you could imagine these. Everyone's like trying to go to the league, but he's the last guy to ward them all from the league, mm-hmm. and he's doing a great job at it. Obviously, because he's still there. Yeah, he lost his passion, man. He lost his passion. He's done it for so long. He's bored. He needs a fiery, passionate battle. And I'm the guy who's got to give it to him. And so I'm getting ready. I'm in the Grand Underground trying to find some hard skills so that I can really brush up my movesets and, you know, cater to the natures of my Pokemon. More specifically, my Charizard is more of a a special attacker. So I need some more special Mm. attack moves. My Dragonite is the opposite. And right now I have a lot of special moves on my Dragonite. So I'm trying to really fix his move sets. I'm trying to fix the move sets for Machamp. Man, the move set on Machamp is just atrocious. <laughs> yeah, especially if you find it later on, like when it's a later level, like you probably really need to give it some new moves. But I definitely do. Let me ask you this, man. Your team right now, you mentioned a Gen 1, a Gen 3 starter. Do you have a starter from this region on your team? Because, I, I mean, you guys said, like, four nah. Pokemon. No, Listen, like, nah. the starters <laughs> from this region, I love them. 
I love mm-hmm. Torterra. I love Empoleon. Infernape mm-hmm. is great, but they're mid. Infernape oh. <laughs> is like maybe up there on the tier because of his speed. His speed is just up there, but his defense is just not it. If you look at a starter like a Swamper, he's just going to crush. He has a crazy attack. It's good defense. He's good overall. But I don't even, I cut Swamper from the squad because Septile is just killing it with the really, really good speed and attack combo. He's just crushing it, man. A Leaf Blade is just, he will defeat things that are not very effective with one Leaf Blade. And then Charizard, Charizard speaks for himself. You yeah. know, especially if you have like the right nature for him, you give him good moves. He's just a demon. Yeah. And I'm recently more excited for Gligar. I caught a Gligar of a jolly nature, which means he's gonna have that like speed boost, which he you know he's already really fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to just play with him and, and see how he plays out, like how he develops. I had a very Gen 4 team. When I took mine on, I had the fossil Pokemon. I had Rampardos. You were going in with like a purely Sinnoh team. I did. I really did. I went yeah. in with the. I'm trying to think if there was any other. I mean, there were a couple. I think that might have been like a Gen two Pokemon. I'm trying to think. I had a an Altaria. I don't think that's a Gen four. No. Yeah. That, I think that's Johto. I want to say. Yeah, I think you're right. But I definitely had four of my because I had. Rampardos, Infernape. I had Jirachi on my team, so that's three. And then I had Altaria, Gengar, and I'm forgetting my fifth member. Oh, I had Manaphy, which is also dude. That's a Gen not four. fair. Cynthia was probably tight. She was like, she actually guys. she beat me up a couple of times. Yeah, like <laughs> even with your legendaries, that Garchomp probably did a number. I remember that Garchomp is just oh man, something else. Yeah, she's got a really tough team. I'm sorry. I actually, I don't think I used Jirachi in the final. I think I had a Togekiss that I swapped out for Jirachi. Okay, I had Togekiss on my team in Pearl. I really liked my Togekiss, but I didn't EV train it. So it was just getting stomped. Mm-hmm. It was just getting mowed every time that I played, I fought her. I actually, one of the things that you, you talked about, there's a lot to do after you beat Cynthia. You can go back and beat all of the gym leaders again, and they all have new teams. So I think that that's really cool. And they all are like level 80 teams. So I, I'm not going to lie. I walked into face. Oh my gosh. What's, who's the first gen at Orberg City? Do you remember their name? Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Is it Roxy? No, it's a guy. Oh, He's the miner. He's the miner with red hair. Clive, I want to say. Let's see. Rorik. Rorik. Okay. Yeah, it's Rorik. Yeah, so I went <laughs> I went in and I was like, you know, I have no idea what level they're going to be. I'm trying to level up for my Pokemon. I brought two Pokemon that were like in the level 70 range. I was like, I can probably take them. Like, I've got some super effective moves. Like, this can, prob- this can probably take them out. We can probably go. <laughs> and I said, but I was like, I'm going to save it beforehand just to like make sure he wiped the floor with me. I just like restarted it and I had to like wow reset what was my the team. game plan. Did you beat him? Do you end up beating oh, him? Oh, I mean I beat him the second time. I just didn't have like any Pokemon up to the right level. And like I had no hope. I had like I walked in there with a level 72 Pokemon, a level 75 Pokemon. And I mean the other Pokemon were in their like 30s. 
because I was trying to level them up. There was no way they were going to help me. So, and I think every single one of his Pokemon were level 80 and above. So, I mean, like truly it's a whole different game once you beat Cynthia. And I think that that's really awesome that they did that. It's been a lot of fun, you know, it's just revisiting that. It's such a great game and I'm glad they gave us this kind of trip down memory lane right before they're going to give us this brand new title, this brand new region. I'm curious to see how they execute. I've been seeing a lot of criticism on YouTube, people saying that, you know, this is the downfall of Pokemon because, you know, they've been releasing so quickly. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, if anything, it's the opposite. I feel like it's Pokemon is thriving now because they're able to execute these, like, time... These things are obviously planned. They're able to execute Mm -hmm. on these time schedules and and come out with these titles that they get the job done. I mean, at the end of the day, they sell for 60 bucks, right? Yeah. And people are spending the money for a reason because they know that these games are going to do their job. And so shout outs to the Pokemon company. People are going to criticize. I think to the people that are criticizing, I think you should maybe spend a little more time on the game. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like straight up, really quick on that there's a lot of criticism on these games they're not even out yet like you can't criticize something you haven't played and like i think that that's just dumb i mean you just can't number two i will say just to give people a little bit of something when this game first came out it was really buggy and i actually had it crash on me a couple times and they put out a bunch of patches so like i do think it was rushed out a little bit but i think it's in a totally different state today you know like a year later i think it's great but also, like kind of what you're saying about the like the yearly release schedule, there was a point, you know, earlier in this year where we had been playing this. We hadn't neither of us had beat it yet. And Arceus had come out and we were playing Arceus and we were having a blast. And then they were like, that's when they announced Scarlet and Violet. I think that you and me, we were both like, Oh my god, this is like Pokemon burnout, man. Like there's just so much coming out right now. And we both played Pokemon Go all the time. So I mean it's obviously the important franchise for us and we played a lot but we i think that we were kind of just like man like this is just coming out too quick but i mean now like i mean it's not coming out for another three four months so i mean we still have time you know to continue playing these games and enjoying them until they come to the next game but also like the pokemon company it's like the biggest ip in the world right so like they can have these yearly releases and have it work just because it it is the biggest IP, you know, they have the resources to do that. Yeah. And with that, I think we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a bit more about Pokemon. Yep. Sounds good. But we'll see you soon. Hey, what's up, trainers? We are back. Grab your quick balls, grab your Pokeballs, grab your premium balls, grab your heavy balls, grab all the kind of balls, the ultra balls, and throw them at your Pokemon and throw them in your boxes. We're taking on Cynthia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're back <laughs> looks like we had a little bit of a internet issue there yeah brandon and i were cutting it out but i guess we'll just you know kind of just finish up what we were saying about pokemon and then move on to our next topic i think kind of where you lost me or where i lost you brandon we we're kind of talking chatting about i guess like the criticism of like them having like a yearly release cadence and and whatnot and kind of just wanted to say you know, they're the biggest IP in the world. Like, I don't know if they have the biggest team in, as far as like manpower, but I mean, I think that they have the resources they need to put that out there. So, and I personally enjoyed a lot of Legends Arceus. 
they pushed the mold a lot. You know, I really enjoyed this one. So I'm sure that at the very least, I will enjoy some aspect of the next one as well. I mean, it's the first open world one. So I'm really crossing my fingers, hoping for the best. But I'm glad that we got this last one. These last two, really. Yeah, man. I'm glad too. I'm really looking forward to exploring that new region and open world. I was just looking at the map from the overhead. Mm-hmm. And there's like this huge swirl in the center, like this mountain. I'm just like, what is that? What's going on in there? It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. I'm excited to get in there and explore. But I think we've talked a bit enough about Pokemon. Yeah, and it'll certainly come up again. For sure. So do you want to talk about a, a title that you've been... Yeah, I'd love to take the next one in stride. So I really want to talk about this game. It's a PlayStation exclusive. And it's called Stray. I know we kind of talked a little bit about it off the podcast, Brandon, but do you want to kind of just tell me what you know about the game? All I remember is you are a stray cat. You play as a stray cat. Mm -hmm. And you have to like basically find your way around the world. You're like exploring the world as this cat. Mm -hmm. And you're making decisions along the way. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Those kinds of games. Yeah, it's really honestly, I guess like, before we even get into it, it's kind of like a puzzle exploration game, kind of, really. I would say like narrative puzzle exploration game, and you play as a cat. And I kind of want to say platforming, but it's not really platforming, because like you're kind of exploring this world from the point of view of a cat. And it's really cool, just because like everything is, I guess, like it's like a post-human world. So everything's like sized for us. But then when you're as a cat, it's very cool just to get that point of view. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's really cool. It's really awesome. So like there's areas where you can like kind of climb cityscapes and then you get to like the rooftops. And there was one, I guess like one scenario where I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing for me to jump on. Like, how am I going to get over this gate? And I like kind of looked at it for a sec and I was like, I'm a cat. And I literally just walked through the gate because I was a cat. (laughs) It was like literally like a gate with bars. And I was just like, I can just walk through it because I'm a cat. And that was kind of just like a mind breaking moment. So it's kind of like a cat sim and you kind of like play as a cat. And I guess I want to preface this by saying I am not a cat guy. Do not like cats. This cat in this video game is probably the most I've ever liked a cat. And I guess before we get into it, I feel like we talk about a lot of games here on the podcast and it's kind of rare when we have a game like this but this this game changed my outlook on life and i guess i'll just yeah. say that at the i top. remember you mentioning that through text and i was like what what is there how can a game about a cat change i'm curious well so that's the thing brandon in this game you play as a cat and you explore this like jaw-dropping city city of robots really in a post-human era and there's this big unspoken mystery of what happened to the world and how to get this way and why are there robots and not people and like what happened to the people and that's kind of like the mystery and you have to like find that out on your own but as you go through it you realize that it's not really a story about a cat it's a game about us it's a game about humans it's a story mm-hmm. all about us it's about what we do best our biggest strengths our hubris and i just found this game to be a reflection of the best of us and the worst of us and just like a reflection of our society as it exists today. Interesting. And 
it's crazy to say that like a video game can do all that, but I really think this one does. So I want to talk a little bit about the mechanics of it. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit. So it's first person or third person? It's third person. And you control this cat. How do they play? Like, I'm curious about the camera angle. How do they do that? Well, I mean, it's very much third person. Like, you know how, like, if you're a third person, like in a Zelda game, like in Breath of the Wild, you see behind you and you see everything to scale, but you see you as a person from the third person point of view. It's like that, but you're a cat. So it's much lower. Yeah. So relative to the world, you're a lot lower. I would say the camera angle, like from you as a person in Breath of the Wild, you as a person, it's the same camera angle but it's you as a cat in this world. So everything is a lot larger. And it also like, it is a city where humans used to live. So you navigating that can feel, it can feel very cool because there are a lot of like alleyways or like little pathways that you can find. Like you can climb in vents and stuff and it just feels different because like you're a cat and you're navigating like a space that is somewhat familiar because it's like a reflection of our world, but then it's also like it's a very alien and cyberpunk space. So it's very different. It has a very cool atmosphere to it, but you are navigating that in a cool way because you are a different kind of animal. You have a different point of view. You have a different level to to everything. I see. That's really cool. I will say that's kind of like what I guess drew me in, but that's not what kept me going. I guess what really kept me going as I came back to this game was really just meeting the characters and trying to figure out what happened in the story. Um, So I kind of talk about that in a little bit, but I guess, yeah, just from like the mechanics standpoint, I guess that's pretty much it. You just play as a cat and like you can go to sleep and you can cuddle. You can like walk up to people, press triangle and like rub up against their leg and it's very cute. It's a very cute atmospheric game. So there are still people around? Well, it's there they're robots. Okay. And I think I'm about to I think I'm going to get into that. So I guess at this point, I think that I'm going to pretty much I've beaten the whole game. I think I'm pretty much going to spoil it. So if you're very intrigued or you'd like to know more, I guess maybe kind of like listen with a, a tentative ear, but I think that the end of the story is subjective. I think it had an explicit message. But I would say that I feel like I only am interpreting that explicit message because of my economic education, if that makes sense. So I will say I think the end of the story is subjective, but I found it explicit. I personally think that that is because of my economic education. And I kind of said that it's like a reflection of our society as it exists today. And I personally got a lot out of it. So I guess I'm kind of just going to spoil the main themes of the story. But I'm only going to spoil the main plot lines. And a lot of this game is told through the stories and characters. And I'm not really going to get into any of that. And I think that the key is kind of experiencing these characters. Because, I mean, it's a story about us and they're a reflection on humans. So, I don't know. I just know that I'm going to spoil some of that. But I think it's worth it for the conversation. So, Brandon, you kind of start out and you kind of play through the intro and you get into this first level of the city. And when somebody first sees you, like the robot, they first see you, they freak out and they like run from you and they like hit their alarm and like lights start flashing everywhere. And you basically, everybody's like running from you because they think you're a threat. 
because the only other life form, I don't really know what they're called. They're kind of just like blurbs. They're like blurbs with eyes and they attack you and then you're kind of running from them. And that's how you end up in the city. I guess actually when the game first starts out, you're just a cat living in the world, cat living with your cat family. And then you take a jump. You're in like some human ruins. You take a jump and you fall and you're hurt, but you end up finding your way into this robot city after being chased by these like blurb enemy things that they pretty much eat everything and anything and the robots are scared of them so the robots after you find your way into the robot city they all run from you you meet them in the center of the town and i guess oh my gosh (laughs) a little bit of pretense to this you also find like a little drone robot on your way running from the blurbs and you solve this puzzle and you activate this like drone robot and this drone robot is like your companion. So that's how like they're able to like translate messages. They're able to speak with the robots and they're able to basically interact with you. And this like drone robot helps you interact with the world. So I guess that like, you're kind of just like a cat, but then like this drone robot is like talking to robots and then like it appears as text on the screen. At first I was like, okay, like it's kind of a little silly, but after the, like the initial beat of it kind of wore off, I was like, okay, like this is what this game is. Like it's the robot reading the text to you and you're in this city and you see this elevator and you meet this guardian who's kind of just like, they have like a staff and they're kind of just like a guardian of the city and they're about, they're like preparing to fight you. And then like your little drone robot says like, we're friendly, you know, like we're not here to harm you. Like we're just trying to get out. And then you're kind of left to your own devices to explore the city. And you are trying to find a particular robot who might be able to help you get out. And that's kind of what they say is get out. Nobody, they said, nobody's succeeded in a very long time, but they might be able to help you. And you kind of start exploring this lower area and it's called the slums and you're in this city it's the slums and it's very aptly named like there's trash everywhere it feels like it has i guess the it's very evocative of like what you would see in like a poor neighborhood or like it's very evocative of poverty i guess if that if that makes sense but it's also very clear that all of these robots are imitating and learning like the base forms of art. And what I mean by the base forms of art, like there's graffiti and like actual like art in the sense that it's like drawings and pictures. And it's very clear that the robots have like completely, I guess like map the city with like their paint and graffiti. And there's even in the, like the town hall area, there's like a little brief history and it talks about, you know, the robots and they call them their ancestors. They call them their soft ancestors, which is us. So you kind of just are left wondering like what happened to all the people. (laughs) Yeah. Soft ancestors is pretty cool, but you're kind of also left wondering what the relationship is between these robots and and us people and there's this guy and you can they have this posting in the town like i'm looking for sheet music i'm trying to learn how to play an instrument and you can find 
you know, items around, you can find sheet music around the slums and you take it to this person and they say, Oh, I know how to play this song. And they start to play it, but it's a song written by a robot. And it's like, this is, Oh, like Ode to circuits or something like that, you know, and they plays it and, and you kind of go around finding different things and you meet the person that you're trying to meet. And they tell you that they used to be a part of this group called the outsiders and the goal of their group was to, to get outside by any means necessary or at any cost. I think that's what it was. I didn't, yeah, get outside at any cost or by any means or something like that. That's kind of the gist of it. And that's like their ethos. And he was like, well, all my friends left me. Like they all got out and I didn't. And I guess <laughs> he's very bitter about it. So you have to convince him to help you. And in doing so, you have to find these journals of the other outsiders and you find in these apartments you find the apartments and they're in these lofts and they have like pictures and stuff on their walls and they've got books and it's very clear that they're like emulating us and our behavior but it's like every not everything came from us there are books that were written by them and their language and like your drone comments on that and they have their own computers and their own video games. And there's like a bar. And, you know, they have all these different things that it's just like parts of us. And there's this one apartment that really spoke to me. It was kind of set up like a library. Like it was very clearly, it used to be a library. And somebody like made a room inside of it. And you find this robot that's dead. And this robot's like literally face down in a book. And they, that's like when they crashed. And like you see dead robots all over the place because it's the slums. And in the drone starts to read it. And it's like how to stage four of emulating human consciousness and like how to create your own art and like yada, yada, yada. And it kind of is like explaining like they had their own literature and ethos on how they could emulate us, you know, to be their own beings, I guess. And it's very interesting just being in this society where there are singers and writers and poets and they're kind of doing all of these like base forms of art and they're very expressive and they all have their own personality and they're all individual, but they all kind of exist here in the slums and they're trapped. They can't get out because the elevator's broken. And basically you find out that one of the outsiders might be trapped somewhere and they might not have gotten out and you end up going from the slums with the help of this other outsider to find doc and doc created this device that helps you like kill those like blurb enemies and basically as soon as you leave the slums like these blurb enemies are there and you have to run from them you have to like stealth and run away from them because they'll kill you and basically you solve a bunch of puzzles and you help him, you know, through logic and like other kind of puzzle mechanics, which it's very fun. You, you kind of leave the area that he's trapped in and you get back to the slums and his son helped you, which I think it's very interesting. Some of them have like parental relationships, which I just don't understand. I mean, I don't really, it's not really explained, but it's cool that it's like, this robot thinks like this robot's his dad, you know? And I don't know. It's, I think that's open to interpretation, me personally, because there's a lot of dead robots. I think that if maybe like somebody fixes a robot, then like maybe they are 
I don't know. I think that that's kind of, that's my interpretation of it. Because you meet some like children robots later on. It's a very interesting world. I love how like they took that whole dynamic and they really ran with it. I feel like a lot of times with ideas and concepts and content and content creation, you know, we see this amazing idea and it never really gets executed properly. Would you say, you know, Stray is a proper execution of this concept of a world where... Absolutely. (laughs) So I guess there's like three big parts to it, and this is part one. And I think that at the point in time when you're in part one, there's a lot of mystery. You don't really know why all these robots are acting like humans and it's very weird because you'll see a lot of things in the world and you'll just be like damn like that's like a reflection of us like i can really see a person doing that or like i know a person that would absolutely do that or or act like this you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's actually it's very hidden there's a shop that you can go to and there's one item that you have to buy to progress the story There's an item you can buy, which is another piece of sheet music. And then there's a third thing that you can buy from the shop and it's covered. And you don't know what it is until you buy it. And in order to buy it, basically, you have to find everything in the slums. You have to find all of the hidden things in the slums, which I did. And then I bought the item and it's a picture of a human or it may not be a human and the robot. Actually, it's not. It's just a robot. It's the robot, but they have like a mop. And the drone, I guess another thing that I forgot to mention, as you're going through this world, the drone will remember things about the past. As you progress further through the story or find something or, I don't know, you discover some hidden path, like you'll unlock memories like of the drone, like the drone robot that's following you or with you, your companion. They all unlock them memories and that will give you like a little sliver of the story of the world. And after you see this picture, that's he remembers, oh, these robots used to be just cleaning bots and they were really just meant to serve humans. That's all they were, were basically janitorial robots. And in this moment in time, it's not important, but it becomes very important later on, I think. And also another thing to mention, whenever you talk to a robot, they all have their own name. They all have a unique name and they are essentially people. They're presented as people. I think they act like people. And I guess they also have this sense of this this exploration and want for discovery that we all have. And I guess to say the least, that kind of propels you into the second area of the game. And... So there are a couple out, what did I say? The outriders or outsiders, that's the group. After you save Doc, after you bring him back, reunite him with his son and the other outsider, they give you a badge and basically it gets like put on your like cat vest and that badge makes you an outsider. And you use that to go to, so there were four outsiders. Two of them are left in the slums. You go to find the third one to hope that maybe they made it out. And you think that the two that you're going to, you think that they are together. And you make it to the third one, which is instead of being, it's like an in-between area. After you leave the slums, you have to, you're confronted with these like blurb enemies and it's very crazy. It's very hectic. They really just try and kill you. And you're really like kind of confronted with it and it's really bad. It gets really gruesome and kind of spooky. And 
then you get to the second area and it's a very small area it's very condensed it's not as big as like the slums the slums is the biggest area of the game by far and it's kind of just like this tree structure and there are a bunch of robots living in this tree structure and you can kind of explore and talk to them and i actually spent very little time in this area and but this is where like the kids were and you meet this one person and they're like oh like we have a school here like Aunt Clementine used to teach us, and Aunt Clementine is one of the outriders or outsiders. One of the outsiders is Clementine. And he's like, she taught us so much. Like, I really wish that she was here, but she went on to the next level of the city. So I hope she's doing okay. And then you continue up this tree and you find one of the other outsiders. And it's like, it's actually, it's very cool. It's like very cyberpunk, Brandon. Like, I think you would really like this character in this part. And they're just like hooked up. 20 monitors behind them and they've got cords and like all these cords like it's very like matrix-esque and their heads look slumped and there's just wires and and cords sticking out and they're like meditating and they like come out of this state and they're like oh i'm sorry i'm seeking higher enlightenment here if you're searching for clementine she left and went on to the next area of the city and like it kind of gives you like you could do this or you could just continue on and i decided to just continue on because i wanted to see more of the game (laughs) <laughs> I just think that that's cool. You get to just see like all these aspects of people. Like this guy is truly just like trying to meditate and seek higher enlightenment through. I don't even know. <laughs> and these robots are truly just like people. Mm-hmm. Robots over here meditating. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's doing yoga. Hey, <laughs> he might be, man. But it's, it's very cool. It's like also kind of goofy. And they these parts of the world, they're very detailed and they've got like I don't know. I just think that it's very cool. Like the actual world of it is just incredible. And you continue on to the next level. And I think this is where you're going to find it interesting, Brandon. You get to this next level and it's just like immediately, it kind of reminds me of like the Upper West Side, but kind of like a Chinatown-esque area, kind of like a mix of like Chinatown and like the Upper West Side, if you've ever been to New York. But immediately... Also, when you talk to that person in the school, they give you a picture of what Clementine looks like. So you're coming into this area, you have this picture of Clementine, and you're like, okay, I'm trying to find Clementine. And you talk to somebody, and they immediately, like the first person you talk to, you ask them about Clementine, say, I don't have time to talk to you about that criminal. Oh, wow. And like, get out of here. And then you see like all these postings, and it's like wanted for free thinking and rebellion. And there's like these cop robots and they're like hurting people and like oppressing them and like searching for Clementine. And in the process, they're like arresting people like these other robots. Yeah. And there's like a very clear oppressive state power structure in this second area. Oh man. And it's really crazy because in this area, It's also like everybody's wearing like nice clothes. They have shops, like they've got bars. There's a club and (laughs) they've just got like, it very much feels like you're not in the slums anymore. Like you're in Midtown and there's just like a lot more going on. There's a lot more flashing lights. Like you meet people and they're like making a mixtape and you can do a mission where you have to like break security cameras as a cat and you break security cameras and then they give you like their mixtape. Actually, it's kind of funny because you kind of walk up to him and it's like, take mixtape. And they're like, dude, I'm not going to give you my mixtape for free. What is this? 
They're like, but if you want, you can break these security cameras and I'll give you a mixtape. And basically that mixtape comes in really real handy later. That's funny. And it's just really cool. Just like there's people just getting drunk, like people dancing, like people care about their clothes here. And I just think that it's more of a reflection of like our society today, like consumer culture and kind of like trends and whatnot. And there's like a lot more drug usage in this area than there there was in the first one like there was a bar in the first one like a single bar and there's a club like two or three restaurants and bars and like people are smoking and like four or five different shops for like clothing and stuff and i just think that that is really interesting do you have any like thoughts on that particularly just the aspect of like how this kind of protected part of the world where there are cops. Is this the only part where there are cops? Yeah, this is the only part where there are cops, yeah. Is also the part where, like, there are, you know, a lot of people doing drugs and stuff. I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. They're definitely trying to, you know, like you mentioned, give a reflection of our world. You know, you mentioned how, like, the cops are beating on people. Stuff, it sounds about right. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that played out, especially the, like, Upper West Side comparison. kind of want to see it for myself and see how similar it is and see how the world would be navigated from a cat's eyes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk some more about, I guess, this, this second area and then the third part of the game. So We are back. So what do you think, man? What do you think about Stray as kind of as it stands right now? Dude, Stray's such an interesting game. Well, first of all, it's not a $60 title. It's an Annapurna Interactive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I believe it's only their game, right? They didn't collaborate with anyone. Yeah, so Annapurna is the publisher. It's like a Swedish developer. It's not very many people. And I think, I mean, it's a PlayStation exclusive right now, but when it was coming out, PlayStation had a lot of branding and like a blog about it where they talk about like the cat that was an inspiration for the game. And right. this game's actually been in development for a long time. Like I think since like 2015, I think is when it was like first shown somewhere and which is like seven years, which is just crazy. Seven years in the making, bro. That's like cooking a steak for, on, on like the <laughs> slowest heat. <laughs> And like, you know, once it's finally finished, you're just like, not even cooking, that's smoking a steak. Till yeah. it's, mm -hmm. Man, that's how to be such a great game. And the fact that it's only like $39.99, mm -hmm. it's definitely worth a lot more than that. Yeah, I would say absolutely. But here's the thing, I actually, I don't own this game anymore. So I, I beat it, but it's not, I don't own it anymore. So I got this game while I did like a trial for the PlayStation Plus Premium. And it's on PlayStation Plus Premium right now for the moment. And obviously, like, I think that this developer, like, I obviously really think that you should support it and buy their game. But, you know, obviously gaming is expensive. If you're looking to do something that makes sense, if you're thinking about upgrading to the PlayStation Plus Premium for a year, this title in and of itself is 30 bucks. And I think if you were going from the mid-tier to the highest tier this game would cover that. Like the price of this game is the amount that it would be. Like, I think it's like a $30 difference from the mid PlayStation premium tier to like the PlayStation like premium tier. And 
So I guess it's kind of like if you're interested in this game and literally anything else that they have, like I think it's worth it. Have you thought about upgrading to the, the I guess the next highest tier, Brandon? I haven't, but honestly, it'd probably be a bit more economical for me, just given that I'm buying so many games and also just the nature of the storage on the PS5. You know, I, I'm probably going to like delete and reinstall games constantly anyways. So it's like, might as well just invest into this and delete and reinstall games that I might have never otherwise tried. Yeah. And just, you know, kind of expand my palette that way. I feel like that's what that's the main appeal to me personally. Mm-hmm. Is just trying out these games that I otherwise never would have paid sixty bucks for actually seventy for PS5 mm-hmm. games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was really worth it. You know, I mean, if you decided if you had a PlayStation and just had the base subscription service or subscription tier, if you could get stray play Returnal, and do the demo for Roller Drome, all of which we've talked about recently. And you could do that, you know, feasibly, you know, in whatever time frame you'd like. But I personally, I did not renew. And maybe we can talk about that at another time when we're talking about the subscription services. I don't know. I plan on doing like a write-up or something. So maybe I'll put my thoughts together and, and we can bring that back up to the show at a later time. But it was definitely worth it for the trial period. If you haven't done that yet like if you have not i think they're giving everybody like an option to do a trial period so maybe you should look into that brandon like i know that i personally i got like 40 days for like nine dollars oh yeah i already did the trial option i loved it that's how i tried uh fallout 4 oh nice and a couple other titles and i really like the virtual believe like the virtual machine kind of thing aspect to it I don't know how they work it out now, but you know what I'm talking about where it's like... Like the older games? No, it's like you don't need to even download the game. Oh, you can just like do it via cloud gaming? Yeah, like that's what I did for Fallout and it was mm. super cool because I just... I got right into the game. It saved so much time and it was nice. Yeah, that's awesome. You just like streamed it? Yeah, exactly. You can kind of just like shop titles that way and then kind of determine whether or not you want to buy the actual physical title. Yeah. I actually, really quick on that, and then we'll get back to Stray. I tried out Final Fantasy VII, and that's a game that I've been, it's been on my wish list forever, and I've kind of just like, I've almost what? bought it once or twice, and I tried it, and I, I'm i very glad that I didn't buy it, because I didn't like it at all. So. Really? That's surprising. I, I know. I think that, I don't know, maybe I'll have to give it another chance at some other time, but I think for now, I mean, I just tried, I just didn't like the gameplay of it, and Maybe it was just a bad intro, but I think for now, it's just going to have to wait on that one. But <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's very like if there might be a game that you want to really want and then you try it on the subscription service and you might not like it. I mean, personally, I would have been very disappointed if I got into FF7 and it was, and that was what it was. So, dude, I think that's a game you really got to spend time with because. A story at first is kind of like, it takes a while for you to get into it. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe in another another time, be for me and FF7, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, back to straight, kind of where we left off with that. I just got to the second area of the city. And it's very interesting to me, Brandon, because all the people that are doing different forms of artwork. And I guess I'll say more complex, like they're more worried about fashion or 
more worried about self-expression through what the, the clothes that they wear and like i guess like to some extent the drugs they're consuming and they're making more complex versions of art you know like with this band that you meet that has a mixtape they're not simply like learning to play an instrument they're experimenting with beats and you know making mixtapes which is just kind of cool and i think it's also kind of interesting because it was analog technology like it's very much like a cassette tape which i just thought was kind of cool i thought that was interesting personally and they had like a boom box over their shoulder very much like reminiscent of a different time and i just thought that was very interesting and you kind of you're on a search for clementine who's an outlaw a rebel like all the police are looking for her and you're kind of able to find her pretty quickly and i think it's also like you're able to find her very quickly because she's in an abandoned building and i think that that kind of speaks to for me personally i was like of course the police cannot find her here because it says like police do not enter you know <laughs> and it's kind of like the hubris of it of course you know like how could anyone break the rules and why would they you know and that's kind of just like it's funny that that's where she's hiding and camping out and you kind of find that she's got this like honestly she's got this like dope pad like it's a really like in this abandoned building like it's a really cool apartment she's got a lot of really cool stuff and you kind of talk to her and she's like okay the only way we can get out of here is the tram the tram to the third level like that's the only way out and i'm gonna keep this section kind of brief i'm kind of gonna like very i'm just gonna summarize i'm really gonna summarize it but it's this part i think is like this next part is like very kind of like special so i definitely play this at least make it to this part um, if you check out the title and you kind of like go and find this <laughs> you have to find a, a power source to power the train to the third level and I guess, let me ask you this, Brandon, if you're in this midtown city, where do you think the biggest power source is going to be? In a city, the biggest power source will probably be... But it's also like it's a video game. You know I mean? And a power plant that powers like the center of the city. Yeah, that's kind of like what I thought, but it's actually, it's in the garbage disposal area. Well, that would make sense because in order to like burn mm -hmm. trash, it requires a large amount of energy. Yeah. So that's kind of like the conceit is there they consume a lot more in this second level and there's they have a lot more trash. And that's like the processing of that is takes up the, the largest amount of power. So you go in and you steal the core and you go and take it to Clementine. And basically the person that helps you get into the facility, they sell you out, man. They sell you out to the Fez. And yeah, <laughs> you, you and Clementine, you both get caught, and you guys are both locked up, and wow. you have to escape this prison, and you find Clementine, and they're they're not torturing her, but like there's a lot of other like dead robots in the cells, and you save her like kind of just in time, and then you find some other, but also in this like the robot, you find the, your robot pal, like your drone. And they get caught too. So you, the two of you have to go back to save this robot. And I guess I'm kind of like, at this point, you know, two things, Brandon, like I kind of left these out. So I was trying to just like speed it up and summarize it, but probably two of the most important things that you find out about this story in the second level is you find out 
like what those blurb things are that have been attacking you the whole time. Right. Which you find out that those are a bacteria that humans created to eat their garbage. And when they died, they mutated and eat anything and everything now. Wow. So that sounds actually like something we might do. Yeah, (laughs) for real. And then the second thing that you learn is that as you uncover more of this world and your drone learns more and more from their memories, they remember that they used to be human. Oh, wow. So all of the robots are still like cleaning robots, but the drone that you have with you is you learn that they were a human. And it kind of like, there are all these like intimate acts that happen that really speak to, I guess, like what it means to be human, you know, and this robot or this drone that's like a human trapped inside this robot, they like risk their life for you as a cat. So you have to go back for them in the prison. You know what I mean? And that's, it's just kind of crazy that you learn that and you learn these like little bits and you learn a lot in the third level about that. So, but they stay, they know that they're human, but they kind of know, they don't remember how they got into becoming a, a drone. Like they don't remember how they preserved their consciousness and they don't remember why, and they don't remember what happened, but you know, they're human. And like your relationship is the cat in this drone, like kind of grow in the second area through all this like crazy stuff that you guys have to go through. <laughs> But then you basically escape and you guys are escaping prison and you like steal a car, the three of you, you, the cat, the drone and, and Clementine, I see. you steal this car and basically you're gaining on the police, but like, you don't think you're going to make it. And basically Clementine like throws you, the cat and the drone, like through like a gate and they're like, I'm going to go the other way. And they're going to like, think that we're all together still like. I made the motto of the outsiders and get outside by any means. Like I wrote that and I meant that like, I might not be able to, but you have to get outside. Like you're from the outside. Like you don't belong here anyways. Like you have to get out. And so I don't know. I cause like, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, come on, we can just all go together. You don't need to do this, but I don't know. That was just me. And I mean, it's very sweet that this like robot that, you know, it was like their own personality. Like they were a teacher in the lower level and they like, I don't know, they're a rebel and an outlaw here because of their free thinking. Like, it's very cool that sounds like they're they kind are, of a martyr. Like, yeah, they're willing to die for a greater cause. Yeah, they absolutely are. And they just like, they sacrifice their cells for you. You have the power core and you plug it into the train and you take the train to the third floor. And this is kind of where it all starts to come together, Brandon. So I guess, this is really where I guess like where the big spoilers happen. So I haven't, I mean, like I've kind of spoiled some stuff, but like if you want to click away or skip ahead now, like now's probably a good time. Like this is probably the major spoilers of the game. And you get to this third level, Brandon, and the first thing you see is a robot, but they're not like the other robots. Like they don't express themselves. They're literally, they have a mop in hand and they say, good morning, sir. Like, hope you enjoyed what you consumed on, on the lower level. I don't know. Like, I hope you enjoy what you consume up here as well. And they're just like, what? Like, what the hell? And it's like, not a person. It's like CG 1113-4. And kind of like, what? And you're kind of just like going around this very like pristine, all white, very sci-fi environment. And you're just like, this doesn't even feel like the same 
area. Like it doesn't even feel like the same city. Like it's so drastically different. And all like the cleaning robots are still clean. And you kind of just like get into the control room. And that's when the your drone remembers everything, basically. And they were like, oh shit. I remember now like the third level, like the richest of them all. It's like they had all the money, all the power. And it's like, I hated the lot of them. Like this is how it all started. Like there was a plague. And they thought it didn't affect them because it was in the slums. And I watched as my family died around me. And I was one of the last ones. And I decided to preserve myself for humanity. Like I wanted to just to be left. I wanted there to be something because I knew that we weren't getting out of this. All these people up here, like they could have done something, but they did nothing. And now we're all gone. So I guess I'll just carry on, you know, for the memory of humanity and like, the memory of my family and you're just like shit (laughs) and it's crazy and i think that that's very telling that it's like the one percenters live in this area and i think it's when you're there like my immediate thoughts were like of course like there are these cleaning bots are still cleaning like there wasn't enough human in the richest you know top percent for them to have an impact like these cleaning robots emulated human behavior you know, and like the best of us because of what we did. And, you know, and I just think it's like interesting. Like there's like the second level, there's like a power structure. Like there's robots that emulate our police state. And like, there's the robots that emulate rebels that, and like drug users and artists, you know, and in this third level, like there's no emulation because there was nothing left in them. You know, they almost weren't human. It's kind of the message that I got from that. And Basically, you, you're in the control room, you turn the computers on, and you like solve some puzzles, and you open up the city. So I guess that's like, the city's underground. I don't know why. I mean, the city's underground, and there's this huge ceiling. You have to open up the ceiling, and that the light comes in. I think it's because they, the earth was destroyed, and there was you couldn't survive on the outside. And I think that's why the city's underground. And like the city, like everything ends up working out. Like when you turn this on, you shut off. The police, the only way they're able to enforce the other robots is because of these like drones that they made. And basically the drones get shut off. So like that power structure is, I guess, destroyed when you open the ceiling. And I don't know, it's just crazy because basically everything gets set right when you do this. And in order to like overload, you have to like overload the computers and you have this like very intimate moment where also like all the blur bacteria, like the sun kills them. And, you know, Clementine is saved because those drones, like they kind of go offline and the elevator to, from the slums to the midtown, like that starts working again. And like, basically you kind of fix everything, like all these immediate problems that were happening in this world. And you have this moment where, in order for you to do this, your drone character had to overload the computers to reset them, and they're dying. Like after they remembered everything, they told you the story of, of humanity and like how it's in its final breaths. You know, like it was the hubris of wealth and power. You know, and a plague. You know, that did us in in this world, which is very fitting. I mean, it's been in development long before COVID, but I think you know after COVID has a different meaning, different message, and kind of have this intimate moment where 
the robot is is kind of saying like I thought I needed to stay alive to you know like carry on the message of humanity or the memory of humanity the memory of my family but I don't think I need to like I see so much of it in you and and the robots like it's not that about being flesh and blood and it's more than that and they kind of pass and you as the cat you have the option to just walk away or you can lay down and take a nap next to it which is what I did and that's that's kind of the end you kind of just follow a pipe do some platforming and you go into the outside world and that's kind of the end of the game that's awesome so the end of the game is like getting some real sunlight and just kind of restoring nature restoring the natural order yeah to this like city that that was this world of light yeah so interesting man such an interesting concept i was gonna ask what are your thoughts on kind of just why that happens why that disconnect happens i think it's just uh it's like a commentary on you know how i mean like we're all connected you know what i mean and i guess that separation it's also like when you open up the sky and you let the light in it very clearly shows you the levels of these cities the city and you see the slum and you see it's bigger like there's more people in the slums and then there's like the midtown and it's this huge section, but it's still, it's not even half the size of the slums. Yeah. And at the top, it's like the smallest of them all. And I think it's very telling, just like, you know, we're all connected and it doesn't like these levels and barriers, like in status and, and money that we, you know, put in the hierarchy of our society, like it's all self-imposed and it separates us more than physical barriers because you see it from the perspective of a cat you can just walk through different barriers and i just think it's very telling that in the wake of everything and you know our global crisis that we're facing right now with you know our earth being on the edge of like ecological disaster you know we have to work together more than ever and you know i mean it doesn't matter what the value of the dollar is if, if there's no water and no food um doesn't really matter what house or neighborhood you live in if there's no air and we've burnt our earth, you know? So it kind of really puts like that kind of stuff into perspective and, you know, the barriers that we, you know, I mean, we're all connected, you know, we're all one people, you know, I think that we should all just lend a hand to one another. And that's kind of what I got, got from it is that, you know, we're not so different after all, we all have these base things that make us human and, we need to lean into that and more what like we have in common as opposed to what separates us. Man, that's breathtaking. It kind of just makes me think of like the power of video games and you know, the stories that they tell and how compelling they can be. You know, just think about like how many people will experience stray and go on to, you know, live their regular lives. But they have that experience, that story, those memories in their subconscious mind. And just that, I think, is really, really powerful and influential and can do a lot for society. And it's just really interesting how, like, this vehicle that we call a video game is often, like, ridiculed in our society today. And it's a tool that's just so powerful when you really get down to think about it because it's like, you're just playing this game, right? But it's like, you're learning, you just mentioned so many themes and, and like ideas 
yeah, just in general themes, ideas, big themes, big thoughts. And they're all packaged in a way where you're not really like overwhelmed by them. It's Mm -hmm. it's a game. You're just interacting with this world. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like it's it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, video games is kind of like a super medium, I would say. You have all of these aspects. You have the interactivity. You have the music and the sound design. And you have the art of the world. And you have just being in it. It makes you more, because you interact with it, it gives you more ownership over the story. And this is, I think, is a great example of that. And kind of like what you said also about like, you know, games not being taken as seriously. You know, I mean... I kind of left this experience and it certainly changed my life. And I'm kind of, I looked at the reviews and people were like, oh, the platforming sucks. One out of five stars or whatever. I, I even like went to like some outlets that I do like that I think have good taste in games. And they were like three out of five. Like it's a cool cat sim, but that's it. Like, how'd you not, you played the whole game. You saw credits. How'd you not get this? And that's kind of like, I'm like, it's subjective. So if you play it, like you're probably going to get something different out of it. I mean, like there are so many different characters. There's so many right. NPCs that you could like have an attachment to, you know, and especially if you're a cat person, like I said, I'm not a cat person, but I mean, like if you are into cats, like there's still a lot of like minutia and like attitude that this cat shows. That I think if you're a cat person, I think you'd really get a lot out of it. And I think that that kind of also brings up like why we're here because you know, like sometimes like we talked about it with, with Returnal, like people kind of like slept on that game when it came out and it was like, we all really enjoyed it and we were able to like kind of champion it in a way. And I think that this game got a lot of buzz, but I think it left a lot of people wanting more. And I think that hey, maybe if you left this experience wanting more, maybe you should like revisit it or think deeper about what's in this world. And there are just so many things that I didn't even touch on. Like it, it'll probably take you like five to 10 hours to complete. I think how long to be has it at like five. I played it a little longer than five hours. And I don't know. I mean, like kind of like what you were saying, it's like a super medium, you know, and it's a tool that can allow you to have these bigger takeaways. If that makes sense. One, something that really sat with me was when you mentioned that the drone you know, at the end of it kind of realizes that they were wrong. Their initial idea of trying to preserve themselves, trying to stay alive, essentially, was kind of doing the opposite of what they were trying to do with preserving humanity because he said he saw it in the cat, right? He saw the cat exuding kind of the human. Yeah, it was in the cat and in the other robots, yeah. So can you elaborate a bit more on that? Because that really that intrigued me. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because you play a lot of this game and he thinks that he was serving a human. He thinks he's, when he's still remembering a lot of it, you play a lot of this game. He hasn't unlocked his memories yet. And as you kind of progress, like you learn more and more. And the point when he remembers that he's a human, he sees this pod and he sees this pod and he kind of says, what are these pods? And he's like, oh my gosh, I remember people would get in these pods and they would preserve their consciousness into a drone. And he kind of like dot, 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 because it's all text-based. Like there's no voiceovers, which also like if you're playing video games and like sometimes we have a tendency to click through text. If you click through text, you're not going to, if you don't read it, you're not experiencing this world. So I guess that's just something to keep in mind as well. And he's kind of like, oh my gosh, like I, 
I can't believe I'm human. Like I, I need a sec. And he like retreats into his like own, like he basically, you don't see him again for like another 45 minutes. Like he doesn't talk. He will not translate anything. And like, so you're just a cat for those 45 minutes. Cause he translates the writing in the world. And like, you can't speak to anyone without him because it's, he's speaking to them. And then he tells you what they said. So when he does that, he really just like, he kind of retreats, but you get to see that these robots that are emulating our behavior, they're emulating like kindness. Like there's also like this huge aspect where they're growing plants and they're like growing trees and like they're taking care of things and there's ownership expression and there's also like caringness and tenderness as they take care of these like plants and other life forms. But there's also like drama and in the slums, like there's a point where like there are two people, they kind of like teen energy and they're just like playing catch, but they're playing catch with a can of paint. Like, oh, I just love throwing paint around. It's just so much fun. And it's like their sport, but then they drop it inevitably. And that like creates this whole drama because there's a shopkeeper and they're like, I can't believe you spilled paint all over our pavement. And she's like yelling at them and also like cleaning it up. And, you know, there's like shops. And even though like there's no economy, there's still like people want to sell things. And like these robots want to sell things. And then there's like this grandma and she knits like clothing for people. It's just very interesting. Like in this first area, you know, these people there or these robots are expressing themselves in very unique ways that people would. And then in the second area, it's kind of a little bit more elevated where it's clear they have a little bit more time, a little bit more leisure. And I guess like activities that come with it, like as far as like, like to waste time, kind of like how we consume in our society and also like consumer culture. And then it's kind of like at the top, they don't really emulate humans at all. And, and I think that, you know, the drone seeing that and seeing the progression of that. Also, you're on mute. That's so interesting. It's like, a, I want to say, I don't know if this is the right word to use, but it's like a kind of a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. I would say. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's the right word. You would think that, you know, these people at the top would have preserved their humanity, but it's like, they're kind of just like bots in a sense. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I interpreted it. There wasn't enough human left in them to for the robots to emulate. Right. That's mm-hmm. ironic. Almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how that plays out. And I think that definitely, you know, you could use that same lens and look at reality, right? Yeah. And also, like, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast before, but like, I think that the wealth gap is very much like on display in this like the visualization of the world where it's like the biggest area is the slums and then there's like this middle area and it's about half it's less than half the size of the slums and then you know the top area is just a sliver and you know in the u.s like i mean i haven't seen the most recent numbers in a while but 50 percent of americans own less than three percent of the wealth and then i think it goes to like 20 to 30 percent owned by 40 percent and then the it's like 70% is owned by the top 10. So the world's kind of divided that way. Yeah. And it's kind of like, we don't really need those barriers. Like who does it serve? Like it only serves the people at the top. Like they don't even really get to experience it because we can't. They're so busy trying to like manage 99% that they don't even get to be people. 
Yeah. So it's kind of just like we're all in this together, you know, and we need each other. So it serves nobody. It's kind of the point of that. But well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some more stuff. See you soon. All right. We're back. And that was great. I mean, I personally, you know, really loved the experience. Obviously, it kind of talks about some heavy hitting topics, but I really think it's a story about us. And yeah, I don't know. I really love the experience. So I would recommend it to anyone, especially if you're a cat lover. Yeah, especially if you're into anthropology. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really it's really interesting. It seems like and just from my outside perspective, someone who's never played it, I'm very intrigued. And I've already heard some things like it seems to be a very popular game on Twitch. People are wanting to stream this game. And I think that says a lot about a title if people are wanting to stream it, if people are tuning into the streams. Yeah. Especially if it's just about a cat, right? It's like it's got to be something there. So, you know, I actually, I took some great footage as I was going through it. So I'm going to post those to our TikTok. So by the time this comes out, you can check out some gameplay on our TikTok. And, you know, I mean, I played this on PlayStation Plus Premium. You know, that might be the best way to play it, but it is a $30 title. Maybe do some more research, but I mean, I definitely love the experience. And, you know, I think it changed my life and I hope, hope it impacts you, you know, a little bit as well. So it's really all I got to say about that. Uh, definitely play Stray. And I mean, I know I spoiled a lot of the game on this, but I also like, I left a lot there. Like the art of it, you know, like just the art of being in the world and like the graffiti and the attention to detail. Like that's something that like I can't really express through my words. You got to experience it for yourself. But yeah, I guess go check out our TikToks on it. And, you know, they're cute little cat videos. So I hope you enjoy you can follow us on TikTok. We're on Instagram, YouTube. You know, thank you to all the people that watched the demo of Roller Drone. means a lot. That was just fun. It ended very unceremoniously, but I actually picked that game up. I picked up Roller Drone, so maybe you'll hear more about that soon. And you can follow us on Twitch. Link's in the description down below. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Do you have anything you want to say, Brandon, before we end it up? Peace in the streets. Shine those badges. Shine those badges. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them nice and shiny. That's what I want to see. Gotta Thank you so all, much man. for tuning in. Follow us on the Instagram, on the TikTok. And yeah, I just love you guys. Really, really appreciate that I'm able to do this, get on here, and just talk about games we love. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much to everyone that makes this possible. So enjoy some games. I guess we'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much. Peace in the streets. Thank you.